Hey everybody, it's Trax and it's Wednesday, December 19th, time for episode 276 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and of course follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. Sometimes the biggest opponent in the National Football League is in the mirror. We've heard the refrain mental toughness so much this week. Might as well be a new hashtag for Patriots social media. It's the mantra in Foxborough. Hashtag tough and tested could be the new not done. Well, after losing two straight for the second time this season, that is the refrain in Foxborough. It actually started after the game Sunday in Pittsburgh in the Patriots locker room following the 17-10 loss. To discuss it all is one of the very best on the Patriots beat, Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston. How is my second favorite graduate of Georgetown University doing? <laughs> Only number two. I guess I can understand that, Trez. I'm doing great. Uh, I think it is interesting to, to lead off with with uh, mental toughness because isn't it funny how that that little clip from almost a decade ago, Bill Belichick talking yep. to Tom Brady on the sidelines in New Orleans and talking about how that 2019 just wasn't mentally tough enough. How some of the th- how first of all, the fact that that clip has started to float around the internet again, and second of all, how many of those things that he mentioned seem to apply to this year's team. It's like history repeating itself. So much, you know, Phil, I'm glad you mentioned that because you did tweet out, thanks to NFL Films, we know how Bill Belichick felt about his team. Team's mental toughness in 2009. How about this year's group is what you asked rhetorically. Well, I'm not going to ask rhetorically. I'm going to ask you, Phil, what about it? Well, listen, I just feel like given the way they performed on the road, uh, given Sunday's performance where they had a season-high 14 penalties, where they're 3-for-10 on third down, where they're 0-for-3 in the red zone, all of those things, you know, throw the drops in there as well, those can be filed under the category of mental toughness. And what's odd to me about this group versus that 2009 group is that you look at that 2019, they just lost Mike Vrabel, uh, they just lost Rodney Harrison, they just lost Teddy Bruschi, you know, they were getting Tom Brady back, but they had lost a good chunk of, of their identity, I think, with, with the departure of some of those players. And it was very clearly now, in hindsight, sort of the transition year between, you know, the first iteration of the Patriots dynasty, if you want to call it that. Patriots 1.0 versus, I think your colleague Tom Curran called it Patriots 2.0, right? Exactly. And so, you know, you look at that and you can say to yourself, okay, I can understand why, you know, they would have been two and six on the road, which is what they were that year, and why they had some of the issues that they did. Remember Gerard Mayo, I believe Mayo was the only captain that year. Um, maybe aside from Brady, but the only yeah. defensive captain. That, that's hard to believe, uh, but yeah. In, in his second year, only the second year player. And so, um, so there were some, some issues there in terms of leadership and who are we looking to and what's our identity. And, you know, you could understand it in some ways with that team. With this team, it's really hard to wrap your, your head around the, the issues that they're having if they are mental toughness issues because this is, for the most part, the same group that was part of, I don't know, would you call it maybe the, the mentally toughest team that we've ever seen here in 2016 where they win the Super Bowl? You know, obviously, greatest comeback ever. We we know we know what happened that year. There are a lot of guys on this team that were part of that team. And, yes, they lost Danny and Blood. Yes, they lost Dion Lewis. 
were those guys, you know, Nate Solder put him in there as well. Were those guys really the identity of, of this team? I, I don't think so. I mean, Julian Edelman is still around. Patrick Chung, those guys are toughness personified in this locker room for years. Devin McCourty, Deron Hunt, Dante Hightower, Brady, Gronkowski, these guys are all either captains now, were captains, Matthew Slater, Nate Edmund, I mean, the list goes on and on. And they've all been part of hugely successful teams. So for them to have the issues that they've had on the road this year, for them not to be able to kind of fight their way out of corners when they've been put in corners at different points this season has been has been very odd for me and I'm sure many others to watch. Okay, you're leaving out, I think, the obvious. And this is uh, a, a path that I don't think a lot of Patriot fans necessarily would venture down or have even thought to go down. And I don't think a lot of us on the beat would think to go down this path. What if they're not that good? Meaning, what if they're not that deep? Certainly they have the star power. They still do. They have Brady. They have Gronk. They have Edelman. They have Josh Gordon. They have James White. But there's a cohesion that's not obviously uh, present right now, and I don't think that has as much to do with necessarily toughness as I do they're not cohesive and for and that that's to me what was missing or has been missing in four of the five losses this year. I think the Miami loss was a completely different set of circumstances, not related to town. I think that was just a fluke at the end of the game. I thought they were the better team that day. But in four of the five losses, they have not looked cohesive, and they've been really beat up at the line of scrimmage. I'd agree with you on that that second part for sure. Um, I think we are seeing, though, um, key screw-ups key failures in critical areas over and over again in some of these games. And they really haven't figured them out. You know, I remember writing at the bye week, you know, what are the things the Patriots need to fix? Uh, they couldn't stop tight ends in the red zone. They still are having a hard time with tight ends in the red zone. Yep. Uh, they had third down issues. They had red zone issues offensively. Those things continue to crop up, and that's just not what we're used to seeing from this team and to hit on your your initial point where you say they're you know maybe they're not that good i have heard people say and i had a discussion with this or about this with gary tangway right after the game and you know he he basically his contention was well they're just they don't have any talent on this team and i wouldn't go that far i mean that's hyperbole so, to me where i would well and that's it and that's gary tangway for you but I where i would actually God love you gary. know agree in some respects of course you have, you have to love gary love gary but where I actually would agree with him in part would be your best players aren't as talented as they once were. You still do have talent on this roster, and you certainly have enough talent to score more than 10 points in Pittsburgh or more than 10 points in Detroit or in Tennessee. You're not that You're not that strapped. Brady is not what he was. Julian Edelman is not what he was, although he's been really productive this year for a guy coming off an ACL. Rob Gronkowski clearly is not what he was, um, but you have plenty of talent. You mentioned some of the names. I mean, you have a running you have a running back who just set the franchise record for receptions in a season. You have a first down running back. You have a left tackle who's probably going to be paid in the top ten, I would say at least at his position this year when he goes to free agency, and is probably one of the most physically gifted left tackles in the league. You have a defensive end on the other side who's going to get paid this off season. You have one of the most highly paid corners in the league. So there, there's talent on this roster. Oh, and you had, going into last week, you had the receiver with the most yards per reception in football. There's talent there. That's not to me. That's a cop out to say that this team's not talented enough. I think they've done themselves damage 
by not being able to think their way through critical situations and execute in critical situations the way we're accustomed to seeing them execute. So we were both on the conference call on Tuesday, and I asked Josh McDaniels about the last 45 seconds and how much different it is calling plays there with Tom um, as opposed to, you know, middle of the third quarter on second and five from the 45, Patriots 45. It's a lot different. And, you know, when I followed it up, he simply said, I've got to do a better job. Put that one on me. Because this week all we've heard is why isn't Brady stepping into throws? Tom Curran asked that on Monday and we saw the film. I tweeted that out on, on Monday. Uh, and then um, the other, you know, big obvious point was, and Mike Giardi, your former colleague now with the NFL Network, asked uh, Bill about why, you know, Tom didn't throw to uh, James White on the check down, on third down. And to me, it was something significant that Josh McDaniel said, you know, you could talk about all of that, but that one's on me. The last 45 seconds of that game is on me. I've got to do better. And I'm just curious, Phil, what you thought of all of that and whether or not you think sometimes Josh feels like he has so many weapons that it's hard to spread the ball around. Yeah, I just I wonder um, what he would do differently at the end of the game. And sometimes when I think about his job, and it was a great question on your part, Trags, because it is um, it, it has to be different, right? The the end of the game versus the middle of the game. And when you think about uh, Josh McDaniels, and this is the case with, with, I would say, most play callers at this point in time, most guys are, are on the sidelines. And they want to be able to communicate with their quarterback in between series. I mean, do you ever see a quarterback go to the phone anymore in between series? You can see Not that all really, the time. No. The talk right. to the coordinator up in the booth never happens anymore. And half, you know, half head coaches across the league, it feels like, are offensive play callers. But I wonder if the the emotion of the game, the uh, the environment, it gets to you at all because we see them run the same play. And I'm not saying that it did. They've been in plenty of emotional situations, and they've, you know, and Josh McDaniels has made plenty of, you know, excellent calls late in games that's helped them win games. Um, but that that is an interesting facet of that job to me is. It's different 45 seconds with the crowd going crazy and having just heard, you know, renegade by sticks and for whatever reason that makes that crowd freak out. You know, that, that has to be different than, you know, five minutes left in the first quarter. So, um, and I, I wonder what he would have called differently. They put themselves in a tight spot, obviously, at the very end in terms of the penalties backing themselves up. But they ran basically the same play three times in a row. And I wonder if Tom Brady had checked down on second down to yes. James White, maybe picked up six or seven yards. You know, it could have been many more. All he really had to do was make a guy miss in the open field, and maybe he, he picks up a first down there and gets out of bounds. And you're in a really good spot, not just in terms of the clock being stopped and you're closer to the end zone, but you can run plays other than four verticals into the end zone, which is basically what they had to do on three consecutive throws. And even that being said, Tracks, they had opportunities on the, I thought, on the second and third down throws to Rob Gronkowski. He was basically single covered by defensive backs that were 5'11 in Joe Hayden and 6'1 in Terrell Edmonds. And I know that's big for a defensive back, but Rob Gronkowski is still 6'6", 6'7". If Tom Brady puts it on Gronkowski there and gives him an opportunity to make a play, I wonder if we're talking about a different end of game there. Yeah, and you never say this about Tom, but it almost was like the game got 
sped up on Tom, and he just panicked. I mean, I, I, that's that's a strong word. I I understand a lot of. Uh, I think it's okay to use though, especially when we see him. You know, the final throw of the game. He really is bailing out on that throw, and that's you know we I just mentioned the second and third down throws, but the fourth down throw wasn't an accurate throw either. I mean, Edelman had no shot at that, and there you know there are five guys in the area, and it's unlikely he's going to catch it anyway. But it's a bad throw when he senses pressure that's really not there, and he's fading away from it. I mean, that, I think that is I don't think panic is is a misuse of of that word there. What I really think that that throw was all about is he he felt like my only hope here is throw it into the end zone and hope for a pass interference call more than it was he was trying to complete the ball. Maybe, I don't know if we can have the same feeling, not necessarily a pass interference, but maybe a deflection, you know, maybe somebody, you know, somebody gets their hand on it, whether it's a DB or an offensive player and Gronk is there in the middle of the field to try to, you know, to try to pick it up. But, um, it just, it felt like that play had no chance. And that's, it's an unusual feeling for, for those of us that have watched, uh, the Patriots for a long time. Speaking with Phil Perry, the terrific writer and reporter covering the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston. Hey everybody, I want to tell you about a new wellness brand for men. It is called Hims. With the windy winter months now upon us, I want my skin to feel clean and fresh. That is why I swear by Hims. Everyday Moisturizer. It's a daily moisturizer you won't want to give up on because it won't give up on you. This light moisturizer helps keep your skin from looking overly shiny or oily. Hims is also a great solution for another common problem, hair loss. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's always easier to keep hair you have than to replace the hair you've lost. The solution for Hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, Baldness can now be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to treat hair loss. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash trags. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash T-R-A-G-S. Forhims.com slash Track. Speaking with Phil Perry, the outstanding Patriots reporter for NBC Sports Boston. Okay, I actually think the last two games of the season, which have been presumed wins all year long, the Bills and Jets both at Gillette Stadium, actually both of those, t- well, I think the Bills more than the Jets, but they could provide some resistance only if you allow them to hang around, Phil. I totally agree. I think it's, listen, this is this is another game, and I said this before, the Steelers game, but this is another game where if your offense doesn't show up, and I said this because the Steelers' defense I thought was a little bit underrated just because their front was very good and they were very talented and a lot of good individually talented players. But it, if your offense doesn't show up ready, you're going to get shocked. And the same is true with this Bills defense, and we saw how close that game was in Buffalo you know, we, you look at the score now, and it doesn't look like it was a close game, but it was much tighter than the score would indicate. Very there. much so. Uh, you know, if not for Devin McCourty's pick six at the end of the game, it's, it's you know, I think a different feeling this week going into this game for Patriots fans. So I'm with you. I, I don't think they can overlook this game. I think they know that, you know, just from uh, talking to a couple of players this week already, it, you know, and, of course, what else are they going to say? 
but they understand that these division games, even when these teams have losing records, can be tough. Now, your saving grace, if you're the Patriots, is you're going against Josh um, Josh Allen. I almost said Josh Rosen. That's yeah. been something that has bothered me really since, uh, I would say, February of last year, tracks the pre-draft yeah. process. Yeah. But you're going against Josh Allen, who is a great athlete and can really hurt you with his legs. And we've seen quarterbacks hurt the Patriots with their legs this season quite a bit. But he is, when asked to be a true quarterback, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and by some metrics, the worst quarterback in the league. If they're so able is to keep he him in worse? The pocket, not to cut you off, do you think he's no, actually yeah, worse than Derek Anderson was that Monday night? Because, you know, obviously that was the answer that night. Yeah, I would say it's probably going to be hard for, for him to, uh, to, to stoop to Derek Anderson's depth but he is but he is right there i mean that's you're getting basically this level passer um when you're talking about josh allen he is the lowest rated quarterback when kept inside the pocket this year so that's the key can you do what you did against aaron Rodgers? that's what they wanted to do against aaron Rodgers, and they did a very good job of it in terms of using that crush rush and just basically having all four or five or however many guys you have in the line of scrimmage bull rush the guy across from them not try to swim past or use any sort of speed move to the outside. Just power your blocker right back into the quarterback's lap and force him to make a decision or disrupt a throw as the throw is coming, and that's your best bet for success. I mean, the other thing about the Bills, Trags, is they, they just don't have any weapons. So offensively, no, I understand he's a uniquely talented kid, but this should be, this should be a game where the Patriots' defense you know, has its way with a rookie quarterback. It should be, but, uh, you know, they still have Charles Clay, right? And LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, I, I would say. Is Clay injured? Yeah, I haven't done my, uh, yeah, pre- I'll double check that. Scouting. I just. But, um, but I, I know he's been a little banged up. A little bit banged up, but I mean, if he were to play and if Shady plays, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, you're right. That this Bills team offensively is not, um, going to shock I shouldn't shock the uh, Patriots and and for the most part I would say um, the defense has played well this year certainly one of their best games of the year was uh, I thought against not just Green Bay but the Vikings I thought they were like from start to finish um, you know from defensive line uh, second level into the secondary I thought they were very very good exceptional at times uh, but the concern uh, since we're bringing up the defense um, with the Patriots to me has been their defensive front and I'm going to bring up the one play I wasn't going to do this till later but after the uh you know, punt, pin the Steelers at the one-yard line. Incredible play by Jonathan Jones and Rex Burkhead um, to to get keep that ball out of the end zone. But on the very next play, it was Adam Butler and Malcolm Brown sliding to the left, right? And they are over center and uh, the guard, the uh, left guard. And that left a gap on the left side, and usually Dante Hightower guesses correctly and fills that gap, but Hightower went right into the middle, right behind them, and all Stephen Ridley had to do was jump cut to his left, and he had a 12-yard run, and, you know, that is a long-winded way of saying, you don't see the Patriots make fundamental mistakes like that and guess wrong, but they did, and I thought it cost them uh, valuable field position, even though this Ben was picked off later in the drive. 
Yeah, I think um, what you're seeing with the run defense is, especially when they don't have, uh, you know, their their run defenders on the field, they're going to get gashed. And Adam Butler is not a run defender. He is no. a defensive tackle by trade, but he is a pass rushing defensive tackle. He's a sub defensive tackle, and and he may be forced into more of those situations if they continue to make Danny Shelton a healthy scratch. I don't get that either. But <laughs> it's just not who he is. And it's really, you know, what's funny, Charles is. As big as Danny Shelton is, and he can certainly do it, he's certainly capable of, of being a run-stuffing defensive tackle. Right. That's not what he wants to do either. He wants to get up the field too. And I think it's you know it's an interesting era that we're in in terms of, of run defense and guys who can truly play the style that Bill Belichick wants, which is a two-gapping system. And so when you lose – an edge the way the way Adam Butler did, and you just get completely washed out of a gap. It you know it matters where Dante Hightower is, but I, I would trust that Dante Hightower was was in his correct gap on that play that we're talking about. Yep. But if you have somebody who totally loses theirs, the play is is busted. And then if your defensive backfield isn't tackling, which they really haven't been, uh, and you, that's why you're seeing some of these really long runs, is that the angles have been bad and the tackling has not been great. Um, that's where you're running into problems. I wonder if against the Bills, we all of a sudden see a drastic improvement in the run defense. And the only reason I say that is I wonder if they're just going to be more willing to play base and if they're going to be more willing to run bigger bodies onto the field. Is this a Danny Shelton game? You know, the last handful of weeks, it feels like, you know, maybe Miami excluded, but even when you look at the Miami game, it was, you know, and these were unexcusable, but if, you know, if you remove the two, the two plays that really killed them, uh, they had plenty of, you know, good snaps in terms of their run defense. You know, Brandon Bolden for 54 yards is totally inexcusable. Frank Gore for 36 yards, completely inexcusable. But that was, you know, the majority of, of the damage in terms of explosive runs and long runs. And so, you know, against Minnesota, I don't think they really cared about the run. They didn't think Minnesota was going to run and, they probably didn't run enough. They had 95 yards on 13 carries. They should have run it more, but their MO coming into the game was they don't like to run, and so they didn't run all that much, and they stopped the pass, and they won that game. So I wonder if this game against the Bills, even though this Bills offensive line is, is not a good run-blocking offensive line, if they look at it and say, okay, this is a game where we really do actually have to try to defend the run a little bit more. They have no threat to the passing game. Their quarterback is not a good passer, and so we're going to have – you know, we're going to have five defensive linemen on the field. We're going to have four defensive linemen and three linebackers on the field more often. And I wonder if that drops the, the you know, insane yards per carry averages that we've seen over the last three weeks. Do you remember the fin- uh, home finale or the season finale in 2011? Uh, I was, don't. Refresh my memory, Jack. That is the game. Uh, the Patriots fell down 21 nothing and roared back for 49 unanswered points and a 49-21 win over the over the Bills. And I remember Vince Wilfork, speaking of guys who actually could play the defensive tackle style that Bill Belichick uh, loves, um, I remember after that game saying, we c- that won't do, that won't do. Um, that was just so inexcusable. And I remember him specifically saying, even though in a game they won by 28 points, there was like this message of, you know, urgency. And while I hear a lot of the 
the same rhetoric coming out of Foxborough. I don't know if I sense the same urgency. And that year, by the way, they reached the Super Bowl. Uh, that was the game, of course, they, uh, you know, hung on and beat the Ravens in the AFC title game and lost Super Bowl to the uh, Giants the second time around. Um, and I just don't know. I, I don't sense the urgency, and I'm just wondering if it's going to come. I think, uh, you know, that's fair, and I think that's a that's a sound assessment or observation on your part because if you look at it and you listen to some of the things we're hearing coming out of that locker room, uh, it's really, it, in some ways, it's been like a broken record in terms of, well, we're going to be able to get it figured out and we're not really sure, you know, what it is necessarily that's, you know, that's allowing us to get beaten on the road or not come out with the proper energy or not be able to stop the run, but we're going to get it solved. And I believe in the guys in the room and I understand why players would say those sorts of things. It gets back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, if you're in that locker room and you've been there for a few years, uh, you know, you're playing with guys that, that you've played with and, and you've, you know, you've dug yourself out of the deepest of holes in the biggest situations. And so it feels like there is, there is patience there for sure, but you know, at what point do you have to, um, you know, eschew patience for more urgency or you know a little bit more uh, aggressiveness? And you don't want to panic ever. No, but, you know, does something need to be said? Do, do, do people need to kind of ratchet up, um, you know, the intensity level in some ways to make sure that the players around them understand that, you know, there's these games matter. I mean, they've, they've had a chance at, at winning the division the last two weeks here and they haven't been able to lock it down. That's usually priority number one when they, you know, when they set out on any given season. Uh, and so that is, that is a little bit alarming to me on one hand, I guess if you're a glass half full Patriots fan, you're saying, well, you know, they're, they know that they can, they can turn it on when they need to, but we're 15 weeks in here. And I, you know, in my opinion, you kind of are what you are at this point, and I I think it's 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 foolish in some ways to feel like all of a sudden they're going to get some of these these big issues that they've had all year fixed. What was said after the game, or what have you been able to gather or glean from talking to players and get a sense of what was said after the game Sunday? Because the locker room was closed a long time before it eventually opened up. You know, it was, and I, I haven't really gotten a great sense from, from anybody in terms of, you know, what was specifically said right after that game. Um, but we talked to Dante Hightower on, on Monday Night Patriots this week, and, you know, that's a guy who's not afraid to say something if it needs to be said. And if you remember, uh, you know, NFL Films did a great job um, miking him up during that Super Bowl, that 2016 Super Bowl, and while they're down, I mean, it, it felt like, and the McCordys and other teammates have, have sort of corroborated this after the fact, that he was really the guy to be, like, you know, on the field, in the middle of drives. You know, no more my bad. No more my bad is the, yes. His, his thing. No more by my bad. They were down. I don't even know. It could have been 28 to 3 at the time, but that was essentially what it was, was they had made so many mistakes. And he had heard so many different guys say, my bad, after so many different plays. He, he was the one to put his foot down and say, enough. Right. What a Monday Night Patriots. He told us, listen, you know, we're not hitting the panic button right now. I don't think we, we necessarily need, you know, rah-rah speeches at this point in time. And I think, again, that speaks to the confidence that they have that they can get this figured out. But if they wait too long, I wonder if it's going to be the 2019 season before they know it. 
Speaking with Phil Perry, the outstanding Patriots reporter for NBC Sports Boston. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about a revolutionary way to follow your investments. It's called Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. It's simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Take it from me, I use Robinhood's app every day to monitor my investments, and I can make informed decisions based on real-time data as well as market trends and history. It's incredibly easy to use, and it's the best way to monitor your investments on the go. No commission fees. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood does not charge commission fees. Robinhood's web platform also lets you view stock collections like the 100 most popular and sectors like entertainment and social media and analyst ratings of buy and hold and sells options for every stock. Now Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at patriots.robinhood.com. That's patriots.robinhood.com. Speaking again with Phil Perry, the outstanding Patriots reporter and TV talent and podcaster, fellow podcaster extraordinaire for NBC Sports uh, Boston. Look, Bill Belichick on the conference call on Tuesday, and we mentioned this earlier, uh, Phil, uh, defended Tom Brady and not checking down to James White on that third down call. And he was verbose. He was, he went out of his way to defend Tom Brady and you know, articulate how uh, much of an excellent decision maker he has been over the years. But sometimes to me, when Bill goes out of his way like that, um, and maybe you know where I'm going with this. It's more a message to the reporters and the, and everybody on the call. If you think publicly I'm going to take down Tom Brady, you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, it's uh, it is interesting though, Trags, because you know contrast that with some of the answers, you know, some of the other answers that we've heard from bill as it relates to tom brady go ask tom well go ask tom or i don't know you know i mean so you know i I think it is interesting to to look at that and read into it a little bit and it does feel to me and you know you tweet out a quote like that and all of a sudden you get you know patriots fans everywhere saying things like "Uh, i can't keep up are they do these guys hate each other or not anymore you know where are we on this and I think it is, I think it's interesting. I think it's important to point out, like, relationships ebb and flow. And, you know, we've said this many times over the last, what, year or more now at right. this point? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly probably dozens of times over the off season, And even, you know, former players and, you know, people who would know say things like, you know, it's like a, it's like a family. And so, you know, do you always, necessarily you know go over the top in terms of your compliments for every family member do you always you know like that person all the time maybe not but you you are what you are and you're going to be around each other and you figure out a way to make it work and i think bill belichick and tom brady have clearly done that this year i think once they got back to work uh you know and once you know brady had had 
showed up and was fully committed and ready to go for the 2018 season, I think they've been able to focus on the work. And I think it's, it's helped them in terms of their relationship. And, you know, I think the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't around anymore, uh, you know, probably helps a fair amount too. It's just, you know, the situation is different now and the situation is what it is and it, and it is what it's going to be. It looks like for, you know, it could be, you know, how, you know, however many years, you know, three or four, if, if you're Tom Brady, you want to play till you're 45. And so I think there has been a little bit of a shift um, in terms of how things are going between the coach and the quarterback. And I think that comment was just like a little tiny, you know, millimeter, you know, peek into that window there. So, okay, I'm going to play the devil's advocate because that's what we do, right? How many times have you heard Bill Belichick tell us all, okay, what somebody has done or what a team has done in the past has no impact on getting ready and moving forward and getting ready for the next game. And the reason I say that is certainly Bill was making reference and lavishing Tom with praise based on his impeccable, almost impeccable um, resume and what he's done over his career. I mean, Bill knows he's the most accomplished quarterback of his generation. Nobody has to tell Bill that. But I think Bill has always told us, you know, it's going forward. What, how are you going to perform in pressure moments going forward that really matters? And that's why I'm like, well, there's kind of a disconnect there, right? Totally, because that's what he said. I mean, Tom's got a great resume in our system and against the Steelers in particular, and they were our opponent on Sunday. And, you know, I don't know if there's any other player that he would he would say that about. So that is unusual. Again, I, I think, you know, like I thought that comment was really fascinating on a few different levels. And that's one of them. Uh, you know, I think he's in some ways he's, he's, he's I making he an exception. To, well, he's, he's making an exception tracks, but he's also, he's saying something nice about, about the quarterback. Like he just, even if the relationship was fine in years past, and he does this with other players too, you know, like, how many times has he gone over the top on Stefan Gilmore this year? Stefan Gilmore is very good. We've all said very nice things about him. Bill Belichick knows that. And he's reluctant often, I feel like, to heap praise upon players that are already being praised. He's, yep. he's over it. He doesn't need to add to that conversation. He doesn't need to pump that player's tires anymore. Than like J.C. Jackson this week, for instance. In many cases. Yeah, I think J.C. Jackson is one of them because he's gotten you know probably – two dozen J.C. Jackson questions over the last two weeks. <laughs> so if we were to ask J.C. Jackson about, or Bill Belichick about J.C. Jackson, you know, a month ago, he might have given you a paragraph answer on all the things the guy's doing, you know, right. in practice and, you know, even on game days and, you know, in the small situations we've used him in. He's been great special teams, unbelievable. And, you know, he goes out and he locks down Juju Smith-Schuster and he says things like, well, you know, J- you know, J.C.'s been, you know, playing well for us for a while now and, you know, we, we're comfortable with what he gives us. and right. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think I totally. it is noteworthy that, that Brady has been playing at a level that is not up to his own standards, I would say, in, in some ways. And for many fans, he's playing at a level that is surprising coming off of an MVP season. And you look at some of these numbers that he's put up, and it's and it has been a significant decline from 2017 to 2018. And Bill Belichick saying nice, saying something nice about a guy that he doesn't often have to say nice things about. You got your Christmas shopping done? 
Uh, no, I haven't, but I, I can blame my wife because I, you know, I basically just like badger her for a month. You know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you think you want? Any ideas? You know, you know, give me something because I'm just like, I don't, I don't have a creative bone in my body drags. And so, you know, like I have no idea what to get her unless she just blatantly explicitly tells me the color size store, you know, you know, down to the, like the, the, uh, uh, the, I don't know, the, the shininess coefficient. Is that a thing? Like, you know, that's, that's what I need in terms of help. And I haven't gotten it from her yet. And she's saying, you know, it's, you know, list is coming, list is coming, but we're getting down to it. I'm, no, she's, we're basically at the point where there's not going to be anything left. We're basically at the which point. Is, which is fine with me, but you know, I don't know if she's going to be happy about that. And I've done this before. We're basically at the point where if I don't get the list by 6 o'clock tonight, it's Hello Patriots <laughs> Pro Shop walking out after the Wednesday press conference. That's where we're at. Right, oh, that's Phil? a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I think, uh, yeah, I think she'd be, she'd be fine with that, right? All right. Well, um, uh, hopefully she's not listening. How to about this you? Podcast. Are you done? I'm pretty much done. Yeah, I do a lot online. I don't go to stores much anymore because I'm not the greatest people person, uh, Phil. So I like to limit my well, exposure. Well, you didn't have to tell me. You didn't have to tell me that, Jack. <laughs> must be honest. Uh, you've seen me post game, and and uh, you weren't in the uh, in the press room for Belichick and Brady, right? You were in the locker room. I was in there for some of Belichick. The block room had basically uh, emptied by the time those guys went. It was so late. Uh, so I was there for some of Belichick, and I did. I wasn't there for Brady, and so I fired off a question from you know the the back door basically uh, when Brady was up there. Right. Um, well, the reason I say that is you you realize how disgustingly well, how disgustingly hot and incredibly small it was, right? Oh yeah, it was brutal. That, brutal that. That's got to be one of the worst. Um, press conference, post-game situations uh, in the NFL. Buffalo was bad. I mean, Buffalo is, you know, is typically really, really bad. Uh, but that's more the locker room. Um, and the reason I bring this up, when it, it's not often that Tom Brady walks into a press conference in, you know, a uh, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollar Armani suit, and says, "Boy, it's hot in here, isn't it?" And it was just boiling. It was disgusting. And I looked around at everybody. And I'm like, "Oh my God, get me out of here!" So that's a long-winded say, way of saying I don't like crowds. So anyway, I get it. I get it, Treg. And well, you know what? The crowds, the crowds, they don't, they don't like you either. They don't want, they don't want you to be, you know, part of that mix either. They don't, they don't need tracks, you know, for throwing elbows at the mall. So it's just better off. Everybody's better off. You do that stuff at home. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's why online is such a wonderful thing. Well, Phil, uh, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) I want you and, uh, your lovely bride and your son to have a wonderful Christmas. I'm sure you will. I'm sure Santa will be very good to everybody involved. Well, thank you very much, Shag. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. And thanks, uh, as always, for having me on. This was fun, bud. Oh, and uh, this goes without saying, when I, and it's obligatory. How do people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter, at Phil A. Perry. And it's the same for my Instagram account, which I'm trying to be more active on. So a lot of, especially on game days, uh, loading up the Instagram story with videos, pictures, trying to have some fun on there. So at Phil A. Perry for both. Yeah, and and loading up the uh, ooh the cloudy sky filter and the uh, temperature filter off to the right. I'm sorry, I'm just cynical, but uh, you have to be very you have to be very uh, you know careful and very uh, meticulous about 
uh, your filters and your uh, emoji placement track. That's correct. Yes. yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on all that. Like, like Bill Belichick says about mental toughness uh, with this Patriots team, there's room for improvement. There's room for improvement on my, uh, my Instagram account as well. So I will take your, I will take your snide, your sarcastic <laughs> critique, and I will file that away, and I will, I will be a better Instagrammer for it. So thank you. You are most welcome. Want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Want to thank our terrific guest, Phil Perry, the outstanding writer covering the Patriots for NBC Sports Boston. Also want to, of course, thank our great sponsors, Hymns and Robin Hood, for producer Mike Alonji and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.